Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to another episode of the Falcoholic Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin here to bring you a full Falcons free agency primer for free agency, which by the time you're listening to this on Monday, will be right around the corner as legal tampering will start, I believe, at 4 p.m. on Monday. There will be two days of that legal tampering period prior to free agency officially kicking off on Wednesday at 4 p.m. It's going to be a wild time. I will actually be on vacation uh, as spring break happens to fall right in the middle of free agency once again. Some some years I'm lucky, some years I'm not, but uh, don't worry. Everyone at thefalcoholic.com will be there to take care of the breaking news and all of that good stuff. We will also, of course, have a Falcoholic live show on Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern to cover the initial signings that come out of free agency. And the Falcons are likely to be pretty active early on. We may hear a lot of buzz during the legal tampering period, if they're going after any of these big-name free agents who frequently do have deals in place right at the start of uh, free agency at 4 p.m. on Wednesday. So a lot to monitor, a lot to watch, and a lot to look forward to this year, finally, for the Falcons that do uh, have some cap space to play around with for the first time in recent memory, right? Um, You may remember my uh, cap article from earlier in the year. Uh, and things are pretty much on track for those projections right at this very moment, taking into account the cut of Marcus Mariota, which was expected, and the re-signings of several players. We'll just cover those real quick. The Falcons did re-sign Lorenzo Carter earlier uh, last week for a contract that averages about $4.5 million per year. They also re-signed a few of their exclusive rights free agents, Parker Hesse, the tight end, Liam McCullough, the long snapper, and Tyler Vrabel, the offensive tackle. From uh, training camp, these were guys that were on the practice squad that they just uh, gave new contracts to, picked up their ERFA options. So those are the initial guys that were brought back. So with the cut of Marcus Mariota and those signings, uh, the Falcons are sitting at $62.9 million in cap space. The effective number, of course, is a little bit lower, um, and the effective number, of course, takes into account the cost to sign the draft class, which is about 4 to $5 million, depending on where the picks actually fall. Um, so the Falcons, at worst, are working with an effective number of around $58 million. Um, they could still clear a little bit more space with cuts, you know, with the cut of Casey Hayward, that would save them $5.5 million. That hasn't happened as of the time I'm recording this. Um, but it could easily happen at any time before the pot even airs or before free agency kicks off, or it could happen later uh, in the process if they end up needing the money. So that, that is one to monitor. 
Other than that, though, there aren't a ton of ways the Falcons can create additional cap. There are a few guys on the final year of their rookie contract. Matt, Matt Hennessy, Michael Walker, and Jalen Hawkins are all uh, could all be cut for about $2.7 million in savings. Those are the only guys really that provide much of anything. There's a few guys that maybe get a million here and there. But for a team like the Falcons, who is working with this much cap space, they're already at 59 players under contract. There's not really going to be a lot of need to clear additional space unless they get really wild with some of these deals and they're starting to actually run low. So not, there isn't a need for them to make any additional moves. They may be able to if they if they want to or feel, or feel led to or whatever, but uh, they don't really need to. Um, now, before we actually get to free agency itself and what we're going to spend most of this show talking about to get ready for free agency, right? Priming you guys, uh, is the guys that the Falcons have yet to re-sign because these are the players the Falcons can sign at any time. They can re-sign any of these guys on the list that I'm about to show you, which we'll go ahead and pull up now. Um, they can re-sign these pending free agents at any time. They could re-sign them. Right now, when I'm recording the show on Friday, they could re-sign them over the weekend. They could re-sign them on Monday. They could sign them during legal tampering. They could sign them after free agency starts. It doesn't matter. Um, since they last were with the Falcons, the Falcons have the ability to sign them early. Um, they're not considered, you know, free like on the market free agents until 4 p.m. on Wednesday. The Fal- they are considered still part of the Falcons. The Falcons can talk to them, sign them, whatever. So that gives you a little bit of an edge. With, with your own free agents to be able to to re-sign them because you can negotiate before anyone else gets a chance. Um, we saw them already do this with Lorenzo Carter, who was on this list, obviously, uh, before that signing happened. There are a number of guys that we'll get to starting at the top. Um, we'll go ahead and we'll come back to Chris Lindstrom. First, I want to talk about Caleb Aguirre, who I was expecting them to tag potentially. They did not. Um, and there really hasn't been any buzz at all about McGarry returning to the Falcons or any sort of negotiating. Now, that's not entirely surprising because the Falcons are pretty tight-lipped about this stuff in general. So we may never hear anything until the deal is done or not. Um, but I do expect McGarry to be asking for something in the range of $17 million a year. That, you know, considering the Falcons weren't willing to give him the $18 million tag, it seems like that number is probably going to be too high for them. Um, and they're, they may be comfortable letting him leave in free agency. So that would be sort of a little bit unexpected, but in the grand scheme, you know, not, not a crisis. They, they still have free agency to sign another tackle. Potentially they could also, you know, talk about some of the other guys further down the list that we're going to get to that could potentially come in and, and, you know, be a spot starter if necessary. But, um, if McGarry does not come back, that is a large hole on the offensive line that you didn't have before. It could prompt them to do like what I did in my most recent mock draft, which came out on Friday, um, and take an offensive tackle at eight. I think the value in that pick will be good. So, um, they could go in a lot of different directions there, but McGarry is probably the biggest impending free agent without a doubt in terms of contract and importance to the team. And that will be one to monitor up until Wednesday at four. Um, and, you know, we may hear something before then if, if it's out there that he's negotiating with a bunch of other teams and the Falcons aren't involved. But for now, that's the biggest domino still to fall. Um, Chris Lindstrom, he's on his fifth year option. He's not technically a free agent. I did want to add him here because I believe the Falcons are probably going to work out some sort of extension with, with Lindstrom this season. Um, he could always play on the fifth year option. It's about 13 million. Um, so the Falcons could extend him and front load that, um, or, and, and raise his cap hit this year or, and pay some of that money now. 
They could also extend him and lower that first-year cap hit if they needed additional money for other signings. So it's really up to them. They're very flexible because they have so much cap space to do whatever they want with Lindstrom's contract. But at some point this offseason, before the season starts, I would expect Chris Lindstrom to get an extension. Um, The next biggest guys, you can see that there's not really a lot of other premium free agents on the list for the Falcons. Um, There are definitely a number of guys, pretty much everyone on this list, I would strongly consider re-signing. Um, Alameda Zacchaeus is probably going to be the most expensive one. I think Spotrac has his market value at like $3.8 million, so somewhere in that $4 million a year range. Uh, the team really likes him. He gives a lot of effort as a blocker. He can play outside or in the slot. Um, he's, he, did seem, he didn't seem to have quite the same connection with Desmond Ritter as he did with Marcus Mariota, so maybe there's a little bit, you know, of a reason there why he might not come back. But again, it was only four games. There wasn't really a lot of opportunity for Ritter to build chemistry with a lot of guys, to be honest. So I wouldn't really think about that too much, but um, he's definitely one of the bigger names to watch uh, in terms of re-signing. Linebacker Rashawn Evans is another big one that I'm pretty convinced is not coming back now. Um, I I do think if Dean Pease was returning that he would have already been re-signed, Rashawn Evans. He and Dean Pease just seem to get each other Whenever Rashawn Evans is with Dean Pease in a Dean Pease defense, I think he's a good linebacker. Whenever he hasn't been with Dean Pease, it's not been very good. Um, So to me, I'm thinking that the Falcons are probably comfortable letting him walk. Um, But we'll see uh, if he does return. Certainly as a depth option, wouldn't be the worst idea either. But I don't know if they will, you know, prioritize getting a more expensive free agent linebacker or, you know, going with young players or whatever at that position. Um, One of the biggest... Most key free agent re-signings, in my opinion, is tight end Michael Pruitt. I would definitely open up the pocketbook for him, even if he's asking for more than this three million estimate that I have here. I mean, I would I would probably pay Pruitt, you know, four million um, if he asked for it. I do think that he's a a very good fit for this offense. He's a very good, reliable tight end too that can block and showed some really good chemistry with Desmond Ritter. So I would not hesitate at all. I would bring back Michael Pruitt. Uh, to be there alongside Kyle Pitts and give the Falcons that second tight end. Because like I mentioned in an earlier show, the Falcons, both Parker Hesse, who is also returning on that ERFA, exclusive rights free agent tender, um, Michael Pruitt and Parker Hesse both had more snaps played than the third receiver, which was Demir Bird. So that those tight ends are going to play a lot and a lot more than in any other scheme, basically. So it's a very valuable position for the Falcons that a lot of teams tend to go cheap at. I don't know that the Falcons will. I think that they should prioritize it and bring back a good player that they have in house. And that has that existing chemistry with Ritter um, punter, Bradley Pinion thought he had a very good year. Uh, he's about the same age as young way Koo. I would just bring him back, you know, pay him a, a good punter contract and, and have that part of your team settled. Uh, they brought back Liam McCullough, the long snapper too. I was happy for him. He finally got a chance to actually, you know, snap for a team. Um, and he, he made the most of it. Um, and I have no qualms whatsoever with Liam McCullough. And I think you bring back Pinion and you have Koo and you're set. You're all set with those three, hopefully for the foreseeable future. Um, another one of the big defenders on the list is cornerback Isaiah Oliver, um, who didn't play as well as, Maybe some were hoping for, uh, you know, at the early part, like last year, 2021, before he got hurt, he was playing at such a high level. Didn't quite replicate that this year, but he did still show his ability as a tackler, as a blitzer. Um, 
and you know was a solid cover corner in the slot definitely the best one they had when he was healthy um so he could return as well on, on a pretty reasonable deal um one of the more interesting offensive ones is is these next two offensive linemen uh elijah wilkinson was the starting left guard for the falcons i thought he actually looked pretty good he was definitely the pass protector at left guard um and look if he's cheap again i would definitely bring him back he definitely had to deal with some injuries um and that was unfortunate but i think wilkinson when he was in there was a a capable left guard i would just bring him back and and feel you know decently confident in that spot not that they can't try to find an upgrade in the draft or um see if they can develop somebody too but i I think he was absolutely fine there and it's not going to be overly expensive and then at tackle jermaine effetti this was a guy that many thought might challenge mcgarry and camp myself included mcgarry did do a good job at fending him off and, and held on to that uh held on to the right tackle spot to such a strong degree that he played 100 percent of the offensive snaps so good for mcgarry but we didn't really get a chance to see Effetti, so I don't know if it's like he just didn't get a chance to play because both Matthews and uh, McGarry basically didn't miss any time. Um, so there wasn't really a, an, ever a need for Effetti to get on the field. Um, he is just 29, one year older than Caleb McGarry, and has historically been a solid starting tackle, uh, you know, solid pass protector, below average run, run blocker. But um, look, I mean, I, I think... If you had to start a Fetty, it wouldn't be catastrophic. It wouldn't be great, certainly. But um, I think you at least bring back a Fetty if you don't have a Caleb McGarry or a big-time free agent coming in. And then you don't go into the draft desperate, necessarily, for a tackle at 8. I think you probably are still wanting one there. But you could then wait maybe until 44, the second round, where there's likely to be some very good tackles on the board, too. So um, that would give you some flexibility, I thought. You know, he made a lot of sense here. We'll see if the Falcons do bring him back, but he won't be very expensive. Um, Then there's just a list of these sort of depth guys that I think, uh, well, Keith Smith, the fullback, technically a starter, right? Also a really good special teamer. He's getting up there. He played 31 in 2023, uh, but shouldn't be overly expensive. uh, Clearly, And the Falcons do use a fullback, you know, at a fairly high rate. I think it was like, uh, you know, 20% of snaps or something like that. Um, They use multiple running backs more than that, but they weren't necessarily playing fullback. Um, defensive tackle Abdullah Anderson sort of came on, uh, out of nowhere as sort of just a guy they picked up off the street. And he, I thought played pretty well as like a reserve tackle. Um, so I wouldn't hesitate to bring Anderson back on a, on an affordable deal to give them that depth. If they do end up bringing in like multiple start, like multiple starting free agents on the defensive line and draft somebody that he might be, you know, sort of on the outside looking in when it comes down to roster cutdowns, but I would still bring him back as that reliable, like, fourth, fifth guy in the rotation, you know, he's not going to be expensive. Might as well keep him around. Um, And if, you know, if you happen to get lucky enough to replace all these guys uh, with, like, better starters and guys in the draft, then, you know, he could go elsewhere still. But I would would probably re-sign him just to to bolster that depth until we know for sure who else is going to be coming in here. Um, Mike Ford at corner. You know, on defense, wasn't really very inspiring, but one of the best special teamers on the team. And uh, I think, you know, I think Marquise Williams raved about him. Um, he definitely played really hard on special teams and wasn't a, necessarily like a terrible defensive player. Uh, not high end, not a guy you really want starting ever, but um, as a, he can play inside and out, he's a good like fifth, sixth corner um, that, you know, can take some snaps for you in a pinch, not be 
a complete disaster and is going to play a lot on special teams. And that's, you know, nothing wrong with that. Um, two receivers that I would probably bring back because I don't think they'll be expensive. Uh, Kaderil Hodge, you know, not, um, not someone that's going to move the needle for your passing game. He is a serviceable wide receiver. He can absolutely come in, run some routes and catch a few passes here and there. It's not like he's a poor receiver. He's not a difference maker as a receiver, but as a special teamer, he is very, very good, very reliable. Um, he blocks well in the run game. Um, so I would definitely bring back Kadero Hodge. He would be my, my biggest priority um, from these like cheaper guys in terms of importance to special teams. And I think he's a solid offensive player too. Um, if they don't, you know, they could bring back Tamir Bird too. I, I don't really have any reason why I would just not throw, you know, 1.5 million at him um, and get him back in here. And, you know, maybe the Falcons do get another bigger receiver in free agency or they get someone in the draft. Um, and then Demir Bird maybe has to fight for that roster spot. But I think he was solid. He was the wide receiver three last year. Not, again, not really a needle mover, but as someone who could take the top off a of defense and, and give you some plus plays uh, as a deep threat, you know, I, I think you could do a lot worse than Bird. Uh, I wouldn't mind him having, you know, being there to sort of fill out the depth chart and give them another speed option. Um, and then finally, uh, Colby Gossett, the interior offensive lineman. He was basically their second string guard. Um, and I I liked it. I, I thought he was fine. Um, he unfortunately also dealt with injuries, but um, I thought Gossett was solid as a reserve offensive lineman. Not going to be expensive at all. Can play both left and right guard. And I would I would take him back and, and you know, it's again, this is maybe somebody that if they draft somebody that might be on the outside looking in, but you can never have too many good offensive linemen in training camp. You never know what's going to happen. I would bring him back on a cheap deal. Um, but these are the biggest free agents. They do have some other ones. Um, I don't think many of the other ones are going to move the needle for anyone. Um, you know, going down the list here. Um just, I mean, Eric Harris is out there, but it doesn't seem like they're, he's probably in their plans with the new secondary coach and everything coming in. Uh, Vincent Taylor, I want—I I was pretty excited for Vincent Taylor. He did, you know, have a season-ending injury in camp and has unfortunately dealt with that many of the last few years. But I, I don't. Maybe the team is willing to see if he's healthy now, uh, see what they can get there, have him into camp. I mean, I, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Jaleel Johnson ended up playing sort of a depth role. You know, maybe he comes back and comes back to camp. Um, Nick Kwiatkowski didn't end up playing any snaps on defense, which is kind of crazy because when he was signed, I think some people thought he would be a starter. Um, Anthony Ferkser just didn't really get a chance to play after having a sizable role in Arthur Smith offense previously. I think he was pretty soundly upstaged by uh, Parker Hesse as a blocker and uh, Michael Pruitt as a receiver. Just didn't really find a lot of snaps there. Matt Dickerson never really got that pickup to begin with, so... Doesn't seem like he's going to be coming back. Um, yeah, Cornell Armstrong is another one. He ended up playing like 30% of the snaps at corner. Again, with the new secondary coach and new defensive coordinator coming in, you know, I don't know if they'll necessarily feel attached to him. But, um, you know, we'll see. And then um, Rashad Fenton, you know, traded for him. Didn't really get anything out of him. Seems like he's probably going to walk. So uh, not, not a whole lot else. I guess Chuma Adoga is another guy. Um, didn't really play a lot. Uh, you know, I don't think they're going to necessarily be running out to re-sign him. Um, Bo Brinkley, the long snapper, you know, veteran. He was expected to be the, the long snapper, but hurt himself uh, prior to camp. And then Liam McCullough came in, and I think, you know, they're going to probably end up going with McCullough, who's just 26. So, um, you know, have that long-term long snapper in here and, and, and go from there. Um, 
so yeah, that's that's pretty much the the situation in terms of the re-signings for the Falcons. Um, so these are those are the names that you should be looking to see who they decide to bring back over the next few days, right? Um, you know, at after that point, we should know like if they don't bother re-signing any of these guys prior to Wednesday, that means they're they're comfortable with them at least testing the market. Some of them still may return later, um, but at this point, uh, you know, I, I do expect we will probably see four, maybe five of these guys come back, um, prior to, prior to free agency starting the rest, the Falcons might sort of let test the market. Um, but you know, I'm expecting like right off the top of my head, Zacchaeus, Michael Pruitt, uh, Pinion, Elijah Wilkinson, Effetti, and then probably like Mike Ford and Kaderil Hodge. So I think that was like six or seven. Um, you know, I would probably just re-sign all those guys prior to free agency and just bring them back. Um, but we'll see. We'll see who they like to sign from this group, um, who who they go elsewhere for. They do have the money now, so they're not necessarily tied to just re-signing their own guys at a low price. They can go get pretty much anyone they want, assuming they want to come to Atlanta. Um, but yeah, guys, uh, I hope this is a decent help. You know, you're armed with the knowledge of about how much salary cap space they have. You know, roughly sixty-three million, give or take. Um, and they do have, you know, they're already at the top 51 rule. So for those that don't know what that means, when they sign a player, uh, if that player's salary is higher than the 51st most expensive contract, then they subtract that contract from the price. So right now, anyone they sign that's going to be getting more than $750,000, which would be pretty much anyone, um, you would have $750,000 subtracted from that cap hit to that signing. So a lot of these cheap signings that I'm talking about, these million level guys, they're only going to count a few hundred thousand against the cap. So the Falcons really shouldn't hesitate to bring in a bunch of these guys if they want to, because it, it won't really affect their ability to sign any premium free agents at this point. Um, but yeah, uh, free agency is almost here. It's exciting time. I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to Wednesday night with all you guys. Hopefully we'll have some fun stuff to talk about. Um, you know, not, it may not be done yet. Like a lot, of, there may be a lot of buzz about who they're negotiating with. It may not be like finished. So I wouldn't panic if they haven't like closed the deal with anyone by the time we go live on Wednesday. But, um, you know, it should be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, finally have some money. I expect the Falcons to be connected to a lot of guys. There's probably going to be a lot of buzz. Some of it may not be true as always. So take, take what you read with a grain of salt, unless it's coming from like multiple national sources. Um, and stick to the We're not going to report anything that we don't, have a solid lead on that's sort of, you know, you guys can trust our reporting. We're not going to report on it unless we've, you know, more or less, uh, gotten some kind of confirmation from, from multiple sources that it is legitimate or at least uh, a strong rumor, enough of a rumor to like comment on. Um, so stay tuned there. Uh, and thanks for watching the Falcoholic podcast today with me, Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin. If you're watching on video, please do like, and subscribe. Those numbers really help us out. Click that little, you know, bell icon or whatever it is on youtube get the notifications when we go live and have a new uh, episode dropping you can also join the community discord the link is in the show description it's also popped up on the screen throughout the uh the show here if you're listening to the audio version uh leave us that five star review really helps us out appreciate that and if you're interested in supporting the show we obviously really appreciate that you can do so at patreon.com slash falcoholic line uh falcoholic live excuse me uh, and we have several tiers there. Uh, they all get you access to ad-free versions of the podcast, uh, usually a day or two early as well. Um, 
and also access to some exclusive Q&A sessions with myself and other folks from The Falcoholic. Uh, and of course, you get our eternal gratitude, which is priceless. So uh, thanks again for everyone who's supporting us there. We really appreciate you guys. Uh, yeah, so enjoy uh, the next couple days of the free agency frenzy before things kick off on Wednesday. We will see you again on Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern for the Falcoholic Live. Until then, guys, have a great day.